Innalhamdalillah Nahmeduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiati a'malina Man yahdihillahu falamudillalah Wa man yudlil falahadiyalah Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharikalah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh Amma ba'd so we've been doing in our previous lessons a discussion regarding adhkar, regarding the remembrance of Allah and the different types of remembrances. And in particular, in the last few sessions, we've been discussing the meaning of and some of the topics related to the four statements, La ilaha illallah. Allahu Akbar, Subhanallah, and Alhamdulillah. Today, we move on to another section, and that is the section regarding actually making dua. The section regarding making dua. Ad-dua. شَأْنُهُ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ عَظِيمٌ Dua has a great status in Islam. It is a great affair. Something important. Making dua. وَمَكَانَتُهُ فِيهِ سَامِيَةٌ And it has a lofty status. وَمَنْزِلَتُهُ مِنْهُ عَالِيَةٌ إِذْ هُوَ أَجَلُّ الْعِبَادَاتِ وَأَعْظَمُ الطَّاعَاتِ وَأَنْفَعُ الْقُرُبَاتِ Dua is from the noblest, most noble of worship, and the greatest of obediences, and the most beneficial of the qurubat, meaning those actions that get you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلِهَذَا جَاءَتْ النُّصُوصِ الْكَثِيرَةِ فِي كِتَابِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَسُنَّةِ رَسُولِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ الْمُبَيِّنَةُ لِفَضْلِهِ وَالْمُنَوِّهَةُ بِمَكَانَتِهِ وَعِظَمِ شَأْنِهِ And that's why many texts have come in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah which clarify the virtue of it, of dua, and indicate to and point to its station and its great affair. وَالْمُرَغِّبَةُ فِيهِ وَالْحَافَّةُ عَلَيْهِ And there are many of those texts, etc. again, that encourage you regarding dua. And give you encouragement to do it. الْمُرَغِّبَةُ وَالْحَافَّةُ That they encourage you and that they... They bring about some type of meaning that would push you to do it. Encouragement, basically. وَقَدْ تَنَوَّعَتْ دَلَالَاتُ هَذِهِ النُّصُوصِ الْمُبَيِّنَةِ لِفَضْلِ And there are many variations of these texts, different types of these texts, in the types of evidences they give. That clarified the virtue of dua. فَجَاءَ فِي بَعْضِهَا الْأَمْرُ بِهِ وَالْحَثُّ عَلَيْهِ So in some of the texts, some of the ayat, some of the ahadith, what you find in them is that they command you to make dua or that they encourage you upon making dua. وَفِي بَعْضِهَا التَّحْضِيرِ مِنْ تَرْكِهِ وَالْإِسْتِكْبَارِ عَنْهُ 
And in some of the texts, you find that it mentions a warning from abandoning dua. A warning from abandoning dua. And for those who are arrogant and do not make dua, so in some of the texts, it is an encouragement and a command to make the dua. In others, there is a warning from abandoning dua, a warning against those who are arrogant and they abandon dua and they are negligent of it. وَفِي بَعْضِهَا ذِكْرُ عِظَمِ ثَوَابِهِ وَكِبَرُ نعم وَكِبَرُ أَجْرِهِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ And in some of them, it mentions the greatness of the reward of making dua. And the great amount of recompense, the ajr, the reward that a person gains from making dua. وَفِي بَعْضِهَا مَدْحُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ لِقِيَامِهِمْ بِهِ and in some of the texts it explains to you or it gives you a praise of the believers who make dua a praise of them of those who make dua وَغَيْرُ ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْوَاعِ الدَّلَالَاتِ فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ عَلَى عِظَمِ فَضْلِ الدُّعَى and other than that, from the texts of the Qur'an indicating the greatness of dua. So what he has mentioned there, the shaykh has mentioned there, is that this issue of dua is mentioned in the Qur'an, mentioned in the sunnah in different ways. There are different approaches in mentioning the issue of dua one of those is that the texts command you and encourage you to make dua another one is that the texts warn you against abandoning dua and being negligent of it another one is that the texts do what They mention the reward of the ones who make the dua. And another one is, that was the first, the command. The fourth, the praiseworthiness of the believers who make the dua. So there are different approaches to mentioning the topic of dua within the Quran and the Sunnah. That's what it means, tanawa'at dilalat. The evidences, the points being made are done from different perspectives, different ways. That point of the dua is emphasized from different angles. بَلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ قَدْ افْتَتَحَ كِتَابَهُ الْكَرِيمِ بِالدُّعَى وَاخْتَتَمَهُ بِهِ and in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened up the Qur'an with a dua and sealed it with a dua. So what is the dua that opens up the Qur'an? Al-Fatiha, at the beginning it says, In Arabic. So the beginning, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. That is a dua. That is a type of dua. Because as we are aware, dua is of two types. One is the praise of Allah, and one is the dua that you recognize in terms of asking for your needs. And Fasuratul. فسورة الفاتحة 
التي هي فاتحة القرآن الكريم مشتملة على دعاء الله بأجل المطالب وأكمل المقاصد سورة الفاتحة the opening of the Quran it is inclusive of it incorporates the dua of Allah بأجل المطالب وأكمل المقاصد with the most noble of objectives and the most perfect of intentions and objectives, meaning the greatest types of praise and the ultimate types of praise, which is the praise of Allah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Maliki Yawmiddin afterwards. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'een. That is the greatest and the ultimate of the objectives being mentioned. The Tawheed of Allah, the praise of Allah. Allah, Allah Azza wa Jal, Al-Hidayah, Ila Sirat Al-Mustaqim, Wal-I'ana Ala Ibadatih. The Shaykh highlights that this would be considered also as the most noble and the ultimate objective for a person is when you ask Allah for guidance. When you ask Allah for guidance, that is the ultimate objective for you. To be guided to the truth and to be upon that truth and to fulfill your objective in creation. And to establish the worship and obedience to Allah. As for Surah An-Nas, التي هي خاتمة القرآن الكريم مشتملة على دعاء الله سبحانه وذلك بالاستعاذة به سبحانه من شر الوسواس الخناس الذي يوسوس في صدور الناس من الجنة والناس وما من ريب أن افتتاح القرآن الكريم بالدعاء واختتامه به دليل على عظم شأن الدعاء وَأَنَّهُ رُوحُ الْعِبَادَاتِ وَلُبُّهَا The fact that, and this is a benefit, the fact that the Qur'an opens up with dua and closes with dua indicates to you the great importance of this worship, dua. You open up the Qur'an at the beginning, it is dua. When you're asking Allah, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Asking Allah to guide you to the straight path. The ending of the Qur'an dua. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ إِلَهِ النَّاسِ مِنْ شَرِّ الْوَسْوَاسِ الْخَنَّاسِ أَلَّذِي يُوَسْوِسُ فِي صُدُورِ النَّاسِ مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ وَالنَّاسِ Seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Asking Allah to preserve you and to protect you. From the jinn, the shayateen of the ins and the jinn, the whisperings of those shayateen. That is a dua you are making, asking Allah for protection. So the fact that the opening of the Qur'an has within it dua, and the closing of the Qur'an has within it dua, indicates to you the greatness of the rank and the station of this worship of dua. بل إن الله جل وعلا سمى الدعاء في القرآن عبادة في أكثر من آية In fact to add to that Allah has termed dua as worship in multiple آيات of the Quran in multiple ayat of the Quran, Allah mentions dua, but uses the word ibadah to mean dua. Uses the word ibadah, but the meaning of it is dua. So for example, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ مُدْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبَ لَكُمْ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي سَيَدْخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ دَاخِرِينَ And your Lord said, call upon me. 
and I will answer you. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنِ عِبَادَتِي Those who are arrogant, they are arrogant from my ibadah. يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنِ عِبَادَتِي They are arrogant from my ibadah. What is this ibadah in the context of this ayah? They are arrogant from making dua. So the dua has been termed with the word ibadah. And that indicates to you the station and the rank of this worship. That the word ibadah is being used to express the meaning of dua. And there are other examples like that. That is not the only one. There are several examples in the Quran where the word ibadah is mentioned to indicate dua. وَهَذَا يُبَيِّنُ لَنَا عِظَمَ شَأْنِ الدُّعَاءِ وَأَنَّهُ أَسَاسُ الْعُبُودِيَّةِ وَرُوحُهَا So it indicates to us the greatness of dua and that it is the foundation and the ruh of ibadah meaning the core and the as they would say literally the spirit of worship. وَعُنْوَانُ التَّذَلُّلْ وَالْخُضُوعُ وَالْإِنْكِسَارُ بَيْنَ يَدِي الرَّبِّ And it is the indicator of your submission and your humility and your poverty before your Lord. وَإِظْهَارِ الْإِفْتِقَارِ إِلَيْهِ to show your poverty and your smallness before your Lord. وَلِهَذَا حَفَّ اللَّهُ عِبَادَهُ عَلَيْهِ وَرَغَّبَهُمْ فِيهِ فِي آيٍ كَثِيرَةٍ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encouraged the people to make dua so much in the Qur'an. يَقُولُ الله تعالى ادعوا ربكم تضرعا وخفيا انه لا يحب المعتدين ادعوا ربكم all upon your lord ولا تفسدوا في الارض بعد اصلاحها وادعوه خوفا وطمعا call upon him so many ayat giving examples of Allah telling you, call upon Him. Command forms, ud'uhu, ud'u fi'l amr. Command form telling you to make dua. Huwa al-hayyu la ilaha illa huwa fad'uhu, mukhlisina lahu al-deen. Again, in the command form, fad'uhu. So call upon Him. وَأَخْبَرَ سُبْحَانَهُ مُرَغِّبًا عِبَادَهُ فِي الدُّعَاءِ بِأَنَّهُ قَرِيبٌ مِّنْهُمْ يُجِيبُ دُعَاءَهُمْ And then Allah encouraging us even more tells us that He is close to us and He answers our dua. That Allah is close to us and He answers our dua. وَيُحَقْ and that Allah will actualize, make real your desires, what you want, what you hope for. And that Allah will give you what you ask for. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ Allah says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي And if my servants ask you about me, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبَ I am close. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِي إِذَا دَعَانَ I answer the call of the one making dua when he calls upon me. I answer the call of the one calling upon me. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So let them respond to me 
meaning to do this dua and to fulfill this command and to believe in me so that they may be guided in another ayah Allah says amman yujibul mutar idha da'ahu wa yakshifu as-su' wa yaj'alukum khulafa' al-ard ilahum ma'allah qalilan ma tadhakkarun amman yujibul mutar idha da'ahu wa yakshifu as-su' who is the one who answers the one in need the one in desperation except Allah and removes that difficulty from him this ayah the scholars they say is from the types of scenarios where your dua is more likely to be answered a person who is in desperation and necessity you call upon your Lord then it is more likely in that scenario if that occurs to you your dua will be answered in fact, as the scholars, they say, kafir. Even the kafir, when he makes dua to Allah in this time of desperation and need, then Allah answers. Like the kuffar who are upon the oceans and their boats, their ships, were about to sink in the waves, so then, they call upon Allah sincerely and Allah saves them and brings them back to land. And that is why when the servant the more he becomes knowledgeable of his Lord and the stronger his connection becomes to his Lord, then the greater will be his dua to his Lord. And his humility, the fact that he recognizes he is just a small servant, that will be greater in his heart before his Lord. وَلِهَذَا كَانَ أَنْبِيَاءُ اللَّهِ وَرُسُولُهُ أَعْظَمَ النَّاسِ تَحْقِيقًا لِلْدُّعَاءِ وَقِيَامًا بِهِ فِي أَحْوَالِهِمْ كُلِّهَا وَشُؤُونِهِمْ جَمِيعِهَا And that is why the prophets and the messengers, they were the greatest of the people in terms of making their dua to Allah too. And establishing that in all of their affairs and their scenarios and situations. وَقَدْ أَثْنَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِذَلِكَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ And Allah praised the prophets and messengers for that, for their dua and submission to Allah. وَذَكَرَ جُمْلَةً مِنْ أَدْعِيَتِهِمْ فِي أَحْوَالٍ مُتَعَدِّدَةٍ وَمُنَاسَبَاتٍ مُتَنَوِّعَةٍ And Allah mentioned a selection of their duas in various circumstances and different situations. Allah mentioned regarding them and their description. إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ وَيَدْعُونَنَا رَغَبًا وَرَهَبًا وَكَانُوا لَنَا خَاشِعِينَ That they were eager to goodness and they call upon us رَغَبًا وَرَهَبًا in desire and awe or fear and they were submissive to us وَمِنْ أَدْعِيَةِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ And then he mentioned some of these examples of uh, some of the du'as that the prophets and messengers they made to Allah if you look at the Quran you will find examples throughout of where the prophets and messengers made du'a to Allah they are mentioned in the Quran the du'as that they made so here the du'a ma dhakarahu Allahu an nabiyyihi Ibrahim alayhi salam haythu qal الحمد لله الذي وهب لي على الكبر إسماعيل وإسحاق إن ربي لسميع الدعاء رب جعلني مقيم الصلاة ومن ذريتي 
ربنا وتقبل دعاء ربنا اغفر لي ولوالدي وللمؤمنين يوم يقوم الحساب اي دعاء در ابراهيم عليه السلام ميد saying inna rabbi la sami'ud du'a that indeed my lord is the one who hears the du'a and then he says rabbi ij'alni muqima as-salah wa min dhurriyyati to make me my offspring faman established upon as-salah he worship and obedience to allah rabbana wa taqabbal du'a rabbana aghfir li wa li walidayya forgive me and my uh, forefathers, parents, الحساب, and for the believers on that day when the accountability is established. Then the Shaykh goes on to give examples, several other examples of different prophets and messengers making dua in the Quran. And there are examples from several prophets mentioned. But then after that, مِنْ أَدِلَّةِ السُنَّةِ عَلَى فَضْلِ الدُّعَاءِ What are the evidences in the sunnah upon the virtue of dua? وَذِكْرُ ضَابِطْ فِي الْمُفَاضَلَةِ بَيْنَ الذِّكْرِ وَالدُّعَاءِ And to mention a criteria that gives you the difference and preference between dhikr and dua, which is better. تَقَدَّمَ مَعَنَا فَضْلُ الدُّعَا مِنْ خِلَالَ عَرْضِ جُمْلَةٍ مِنْ نُصُوصِ الْقُرْآنِ الْكَرِيمِ أَدَّالَّهُ عَلَى عِظَمِ فَضْلِهِ وَجَلَالَةِ شَأْنِهِ We've already covered a few texts highlighting the greatness and the importance of dua. وَفِيمَا يَلِي ذِكْرُ جُمْلَةٍ مِّنْ نُصُوصِ السُنَّةِ الدَّالَّهُ عَلَى فَضْلِ الدُّعَاءِ وَكَثْرَةِ عَوَائِدِهِ وَثِمَارِهِ وَفَوَائِدِهِ وَالسُنَّةُ مَلِئَةٌ بِالنُّصُوصِ الْمُشْتَمِلَةِ عَلَى الْحَثِّ عَلَى الدُّعَاءِ وَبَيَانِ فَضْلِهِ وَعِظَمِ ثَوَابِهِ وَأَجْرِهِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ that speak about the virtue of dua. فَمِنْ ذَلِكَ مَا ثَبَتَ فِي السُّنَنِ عَانِ النِّعْمَانِ بْنْ بَشِيرِ رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الدعاء هو العبادة ثم قرأ وقال ربكم ادعوني أستجب لكم من الذين يستكبرون عن عبادتي سيدخلون جهنم داخرين فدل ذلك على عظم شأن الدعاء وأنه أرفع أنواع العبادة وأفضلها There is the hadith of النعمان بن بشير where the Prophet said الدعاء هو العبادة دعاء it is worship it is the worship what does that mean? Dua, it is the worship. Dua, huwa al-ibadah. One of the greatest worships. It is part of worship, no doubt. Dua, huwa al-ibadah. Dua, it is worship. It is the worship. What does that mean? Greatest form of worship. Hmm? Everything is built around dua. Huh? Salah is dua. Where did you get the salah from? Dua huwa al-ibadah. It is like al-hajju Arafah. So does that mean if you go to Arafah and then go home, خلاص, you finished? Yeah? But Al-Hajju Arafah. If you go to Arafah, just Arafah. 
So it is a must of Hajj. يعني it's you could say أعظم أركان الحج عرفه. So that's what they mean. الدعاء it's like من أعظم العبادات. الدعاء هو العبادة. دعاء it is worship. It is to highlight that dua is the the greatest form of worship. It is the greatest form of worship. And dua it comes in the various ways like we mentioned. Praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a type of dua. Making your own dua before Allah. Dua. Similarly, روى الحاكم بإسناد حسن عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما مرفوعا أفضل العبادة الدعاء In this narration of Ibn Abbas that he said رضي الله عنهما The best of worship is الدعاء أفضل العبادة الدعاء وقرأ وقال ربكم ادعوني أسجب لكم The ayah again he recited it وروى الترمذي وغيره عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ليس شيء أكرم على الله من الدعاء There is nothing more, more noble with Allah than the dua ففي هذه الأحاديث دلالة على فضل الدعاء وعظيم كرمه عند الله ورفيع مكانته من العبادة وأنه روحها ولبها وأفضلها وإنما كان ذلك كذلك لأمور عديدة ذكرها أهل العلم So these narrations highlight to you the greatness and the virtue of dua And it is certainly a tremendous worship why is dua such a tremendous worship? The scholars, they mentioned certain reasons. The scholars mentioned certain reasons as to why dua is such a tremendous act of worship. Number one, anna dua fihi al-tadharru'a Within dua, it is your humility and submissiveness before Allah. Your humility and submissiveness before Allah. And it highlights your weakness and your poverty before your Lord. And your need before your Lord. It highlights your level as a servant of Allah, in need of Allah, in necessity, in, in requirement from your Lord, that you cannot run your own affairs, you are in need of your Lord. So it indicates your smallness before your Lord, your weakness before your Lord, and indicates your submission and humility before your Lord. And so that is one of the reasons why dua is such a tremendous act of worship. Because the people who do not make dua, it is out of their arrogance that they cannot have this humility, this submission, this recognition of their poverty and need and weakness. Secondly, وَمِنْهَا أَنَّ الْعِبَادَةِ كلما كان القلب فيها أخشع والفكر فيها حاضرا فهي أفضل وأكمل والدعاء أقرب العبادات إلى حصول هذا المقصود فإنه حاجة العبد وتدفعه نعم فإن حاجة العبد تدفعه إلى الخشوع وحضور القلب Second point regarding why dua is so tremendous as an act of worship is that the more submissive the heart is to
to Allah when doing worship. And the more focused a person is in doing that worship to Allah, the better that worship is. So when you make dua for a need you have, then certainly that servant has his full focus on that need in making dua to Allah. Has that full submission to Allah in making that dua. So that likelihood of the submission and the focus is great when it comes to doing dua. That is something you expect the people to have in dua. Because they are making dua for their need and their necessity. So they will have that absolute focus in making it. As opposed to some of the acts of worship where they may be somewhat heedless in doing it. Thirdly. وَمِنْهَا أَنَّ الدُّعَاءَ مُلَازِمٌ لِلتَّوَكُّلِ وَالْإِسْتِعَانَةِ بِاللَّهِ That dua, it is... Uh, directly connected to has a direct correlation to dependence upon Allah, trust in Allah and seeking aid and assistance from Allah <laughs> meaning when a person makes dua then it is a recognition from that person, a realization from that person that his trust is in Allah. He wants his Lord to answer his dua, to make him a way out of his difficulty. So his trust is in Allah and his seeking of aid and assistance is from Allah. So your trust and your seeking of aid and assistance is something that goes hand in hand with the dua that you are making. So this is again something which elevates the rank and the station of dua. فَهَذَا بَابٌ شَرِيفٌ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ يَنْبَغِي لِلْمُسْلِمِ أَنْ يُدْرِكَهُ وَأَنْ يَعْتَنِيَ بِفَهْمِهِ تَمَامَ الْعِنَايَةِ لِيُدْرِكَ الْأَفْضَلَ فِي كُلِّ وَقْتِ وَحَالِ وَلِيَحُوزَ عَلَى الْأَكْمَلِ لَهُ فِي عِبَادَتِهِ لِرَبِّهِ وَطَاعَتِهِ لِمَوْلَاهُ فِي كُلِّ زَمَانُ وَمَكَانُ So this is something very important that every Muslim needs to have a recognition and an understanding of. To understand the best worship and time, what to do in that scenario, in that situation. The best worship to do and how to do that, the dua to make and how to do so. In order that he can gain the maximum from his worship to his Lord and his obedience to his Lord in every time and every place. We're going to conclude upon that for today, slightly shorter. Any questions or anything on that so far? Next time we're going to start in the chapter Ijabatullah subhanahu lidda'in That Allah answers the dua of those who call upon him Salah is dua Anything else? The ruku' وَأَمَّا الرُّكُوعَ فَعَظِّمُوا فِيهِ الرَّبِّ In the ruku' you're supposed to make the ta'zim of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Subhana rabbiya al-azim وَأَمَّا السُّجُودِ As for the sajd in the prostration فَأَكْثِرُوا فِيهِ مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ Prophet said Then do a lot of dua So a person should make his dua in the prostration Because that is exactly how the Prophet told us to do so if Eid occurs on a Friday, then is it necessary to do what? So if Eid happens on a Friday, like it happened just now, then do you have to do the Jum'ah as well as the Eid Salah in the morning? You don't have to go Jum'ah? Uh-huh.
if a person attended the Eid Salah, then he has the option of not going to the Jummah. Because that's what it says in the Sunnah, and that's how they did it. Unless you're the Imam. If you're the Imam, you have to come and do the, the Jummah. If you're the Imam, you have to come and lead and you have to do the Jummah. Imam can't take care of the people come who's going to do the Jummah. So the Imam's got to come and do it. But if you attended the Salah for Eid on that day, then the gathering has happened. You have attended the gathering, you have listened to the Khutbah, etc. So you don't have to come to the Jummah again. That's mentioned in the Sunnah. Unless you're the Imam, then you have to come and do it. And with the condition that you attended the Eid. If you missed the Eid, then you have to come to Jummah. No, no, you pray the Dhuhr. You gotta pray the Dhuhr. Yeah, you gotta pray the Dhuhr, but you don't have to attend the Jum'ah prayer as per the Jum'ah prayer. Yeah. Not, not that you miss the prayer altogether. Dhuhr has to be prayed. Uh, that depends on how the ruling is made. Allah Alam, I don't recall how the, the ruling of it is. If it is like Rukhsa, then you have the difference of opinion. So then maybe it's better not to come, but it depends how it's how it's understood in the in the usul al fiqh. Is it a rukhsa? Is it this? Is it that? That will determine which is better. Should you still come? Is that better? Or is it better to then miss? Mm. Between the iqama and the uh, actual takbiratul ihram, is there any dua that is mentioned? Between the two khutbas? Between the adhanayn? Between the khutbatayn? The two khutbas, when the imam does the first khutbah, then he sits. Then he does the second khutbah. In between, all I have ever come across from the ulama, they say, Lam yarid fihi shay. So I don't know of any authentic narration about a dua to be done between the two khutbas. If anybody has an authentic narration, hadith on sahih, then we can use it. But I remember Sheikh bin Baz and others saying that there is no proven authentic dua between the two khutbas. But there is the hadith about other times, like for example, about the adhan, but what about he's asking after the iqama to takbiratul ihram? Is there a particular dua there? Between after the iqama is finished up until saying Allahu Akbar? Well then in that case your homework is to bring it next week. Find the hadith then. The homework for this week is to find any narrations. Is it proven that there is a dua to be read after the iqama to the takbir, which is could be hardly any time even. But from the iqama to the takbir. Anything. Any narration that has mentioned about making dua generally or even mentioning a specific dua. The homework is to see if you can find any evidence indicating that there is a dua or dua should be made after the iqama up until the takbir that's another issue about the tawassul that you can make dua via your good deeds Maybe generally a ibadah. If a person is upon worship and he's doing worship and then you're making dua at the same time, then that's a good situation to be in when you're making that worship. For example, the last third of the night, you're up, you're praying, 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 and then in between at some point you make some dua as well in the course of all of that worship. That is good. Seek forgiveness. All you have to say is astaghfirullah. So it doesn't require something long. Doesn't require some long dua in between. Why? Mm. 
حين يجلس حين يجلس للخطبة يعني قبل بدء الخطبة But uh, when the imam sits down for the khutbah, so now the adhan is happening. So you can't make dua then. As soon as the adhan finishes, imam begins the khutbah. So you can't make dua then. When he sits down in between two, chants there. After he finishes, the khalas it's the prayer. So I, I don't know. This one has to be looked into more. La buddha nabhath in that one. About what? So when, how? So then does that necessitate the people making the dua or is it just that the imam when he makes the dua in the khutbah? The, the time may be a time of virtue. It may be, for example, a time of virtue, but how is that virtue implemented? Clearly, the people cannot make dua when the imam sits down, that's the adhan going. You should be repeating after the mu'adhin. As soon as that finishes, the imam begins a khutbah, so you can't be talking then either. When he sits down in between, that's an opportunity. Possibly, if you're going to take that. After that, when he gets up again, you can't be making dua, imam is in the khutbah. When he finishes, you could technically say maybe that's an opportunity as the people are getting up for the prayer. So really, there's only two slots in that whole time. If the intended meaning of it is that the people are supposed to make dua in that time, which the scholars haven't really mentioned. But it could just be that it's a time of the dua generally being accepted and that's why the scholars do mention the khatib. It's okay and it's good for him to add some duas into his khutbah. But for a person to make the dua, how, when? In the prayer? Yeah, uh, so in the prayer, you're right. In the prayer would be a part where it's possible in the sujood, in those times. But uh, the, the other times, it wouldn't be possible in certain times of that slot but again it requires the evidence some of the scholars most of them they say between the two khutbas there's no proven dua like a, a dua that is to be read exact words of a dua but generally then perhaps as a general thing if somebody makes dua but there's no proven words of any dua between the two khutbas that's why many of the scholars say you're supposed to just stay silent imam included I think the, the best thing there would be uh, at the beginning, the announcements are made. At the end, we bring people forward. But in the middle of the khutbah, to be doing those types of things, it's probably bordering on the prohibitions of trying to do that type of thing in the middle and uh, because it requires communication. It requires communication to do that type of thing and that's not suitable in the middle of the khutbah. The beginning, everybody needs to try and sit at the front end to encourage everybody to do that at the beginning. I mean, really, you come in to start the khutbah, people are scattered everywhere, and they shouldn't be like that. Everybody should be filling up the rows one by one, but it never happens. People scatter everywhere. Yeah, he's got to do the forgetfulness because he forgot. The forgetfulness occurred. He will still do the prostrations. No, it doesn't. But he forgot, that's why he started getting up. The forgetfulness occurred. So he's got to do his prostrations for the forgetfulness. But he can come back, he can sit down. We did that, remember, what's the rule? The rule is as long as you don't go to the next rukan. So that would be standing up. So as long as he is reminded and returns before he stands up, then he can return. But he's got to do his prostrations, though, forgetfulness. Why did you have to say subhanallah to him? Because he forgot. No, but if you've had to say subhanallah, well, you haven't said it then. So why is he saying subhanallah? <laughs> like, you, like you start doing this and straight away he knows subhanallah. <laughs> now if it's the case that the imam had forgotten and he was about to get up, and the person did recognize and said, Subhanallah, then the forgetfulness has occurred. You should do your prostrations. No, but something has happened. Some movement has happened for somebody to recognize he's forgotten and to say, Subhanallah. 
he's making a movement upon forgetfulness that he shouldn't be making now. He's about to start. Well, he has started. He has to have started. He can't have. He's about to start because if he's only about to start doing something, why is he saying Subhanallah? Obviously, he's done something, as small as it may be. He's made some movement, maybe put his hands down. Person straight away recognizes he's about to get up. So now even that, he's doing that now upon forgetfulness, he's about to get up. So it's forgetfulness. Because look, even doubt. When doubt happens, do you actually do anything? You're praying your raka'ah, you forgot which raka'ah you're in. So now all of a sudden, you've not done any movement wrong, but the doubt has occurred, you've got to do your prostrations. Unless... You, uh, It's not something which was witnessed in the sunnah that they used to do. But the scholars don't, they're not severe to the extent of saying that it's an outright bid'ah for you to do things like that. But it's better avoided, especially in a place like this, you don't need it at all. This is tiny. The rows are what, 10, 20 people long, it's nothing. And it's straight. A straight mosque where it's built straight isn't really much of a problem. It's the ones where it's bent slightly at an angle, you have more difficulty. It can be done, it can be done. They used to, it's mentioned in the narration of Uthman. When Uthman used to lead the prayer, the iqama used to occur. It's mentioned in one narration. The iqama happened. It doesn't need the lines. Not for places like this anyway. You need to have something big to need lines. See the sizes of some of the mosques compared to these smaller ones. It's not a necessity lines. These can easily be straightened up with a person. Alright, we'll leave it there then. Carry on next week, inshallah ta'ala.